but it all starts from a great product that's able to deliver a fantastic customer experience. And without that, you're sunk. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, hey, welcome to episode 55. It's the middle of the summer. It is hot up here in my attic in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where we are recording this introduction. But fortunately, we've got a hot episode for you this week where we're going to be talking to the people behind one of the most viral robots you've seen on the internet and its applications in manufacturing. You have probably seen that cute yellow robot dog, otherwise known as Spot, made by Boston Dynamics, and that's exactly who we're talking to this week. We've got their VP of Business Development, Michael Perry, joining the show. We're going to be talking about applications for Spot in the manufacturing world. Cool episode, and we can really break it down into two parts for you. The first part, we're going to get to hear Michael's story. He's got an interesting career trajectory that took him around the world before it took him to Boston Dynamics. And then we're going to talk about Spot's application in the manufacturing world. We'll go over some specific case studies and what the future might hold for robots such as spot in our industry so we've got a lot of cool things to talk about in this episode actually a couple videos you might want to check out just to get some visuals around this so make sure to head to the show notes after this episode is done you can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 55 and the other thing i want to invite you to is our manufacturing happy hour industry community if you like interviews like this if you like these conversations well you have an opportunity to be part of those as well our Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community is over 400 manufacturing leaders strong. It lives on LinkedIn. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. Make sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll let you right into that group. And with that, we've got a lot to talk to Michael about today. But first, we've got to talk about some breweries. So let's dive right in. Michael, if we were doing this interview in person, where might we be grabbing a beverage right now? So if you were visiting us here in uh, uh, Massachusetts, we'd be grabbing a beer at uh, Mighty Squirrel Brewery. I don't know if you've had Mighty Squirrel before, but uh, they've got a big beer garden out in Waltham, Massachusetts, not too far from the Boston Dynamics office. We've got food trucks out there, the chicken and rice guys, some great banh mi sometimes, some barbecue. They've got this great IPA, some really good sours. But here's the other cool thing is they've got a climbing wall that's directly attached to their um, uh, brewery. So I would suggest we do some climbing first and then we (laughs) grab some beer and uh, chow down on some street truck food. That is uh, quite the bold move to put a climbing wall inside of a brewery. I assume they have some good rules set up to make sure that's the pre-drinking activity versus the post-beverage activity. Well, cleverly, they've got a glass uh, wall so that you can actually watch the climbers while you're drinking. So you're thinking, oh, yeah, I could do that while you're, you're pounding back a few beers and then you're, you're done. 
lovely concept. Uh, it's amazing what breweries come up with. Mighty Squirrel is a great name as well. I think I've heard of it, but admittedly, I have not made it out there. So, well, as always, all the all the beverage locations we mentioned can be found in the show notes as well for those that are listening today. But before we go too far, I want to make sure I give you a proper introduction to the audience that's listening. So, our guest today has the privilege of working closely with one of the most notable robots of the 21st century. After an exciting career that's taken him across the globe and back, he is now the VP of Business Development at Boston Dynamics and is here today to talk all things spot in manufacturing. Michael Perry, welcome to the show. Chris, thanks so much for having me. Well, we're excited to have you here. We uh, we've already set the stage. You know, theoretically, we're we're having some IPAs or sour beers at Mighty Squirrel Brewing, and I always like to start off with a you know a brewery oriented question. In that, you know, if we were sitting at a bar and someone comes up to you and says, "Michael, you know, I've seen what Spot, you know, I've seen Spot on the internet all the time. This dancing robot. What does Spot do besides?" gifting the interwebs with fantastic robot dance videos. How do you answer that over a beverage? Well, I, I have unique insight there because that's what I was hired to go do, to go figure out the answer to that question. Uh, so I, I joined Boston Dynamics three years ago when we had this incredible technology that enabled robots to be mobile in a way that you know previously was impossible, where they can go many of the places that people go um, but the question was, now that you have that capability, what do you do with it? So we started thinking about in, in parts of the world and jobs that are unstructured, unknown, or dynamic, where the environmental conditions keep changing and you can't really assume that one type of mobility um, is would be, be uh, functional to, to get the job done. So using that framework, we started going to mines and construction sites and public utility yards and oil and gas uh, facilities and manufacturing sites and asking the question, you know, if you had a mobile robot to go around your site to do something useful, what would it do? And the thing that we got back was um, collecting real world information about what's actually happening on site is very hard. You, know, you have people doing that but that's not scalable and you know, doing something repetitive is, is hard for people to do, both physically and just conceptually, it's, it's very boring. And um, you know, the world of fixed sensors isn't able to cover all data types in all locations all the time. So having something that's mobile collecting that data can um, you know, reduce risks to people, it can uh, increase uptime of the asset, you know, it can better plan preventive maintenance work. Uh, it can prevent rework on a construction site. There are all of these value-added uh, benefits of having a highly mobile robot going around site collecting data on a regular basis. There are a lot of applications I, I saw as I was doing my research for this. You talk about uptime mapping facilities. I'm excited to get into into some of these as we get going further in the interview. But first, you know, we want to get to know you a little bit because you mentioned you came on board to help Boston Dynamics define what is it that Spot does for the manufacturing world. But 
I mean, you had a fascinating career leading up to this and, and quite frankly, one that surprised me a little bit going from some of the work you've been doing and studied to do to what you're doing with Boston Dynamics in the manufacturing space. So you got a degree, if I saw this right, in Chinese and government. So I guess to start, what attracted you to Chinese language, Chinese culture, etc.? Um, I, I would love to have a really insightful answer for you, but really the answer is dumb luck. Uh, I was uh, interested in studying a difficult language. Um, so it was either ancient Greek, Arabic, or Chinese. And uh, when I was registering for classes, the only class that was available was an 8 a.m. Chinese class every day for you know Monday to Friday. And weirdly, nobody was signing up for that class my freshman year of, of college. So I signed up for it. Um, and really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was, um, you know, an interesting intellectual challenge to learn this language. And, you know, the, the, the language itself is beautiful and it's got um, really interesting conceptual things as you're learning, um, you know, Chinese characters and so on and so forth. So um, I got so interested in it that I studied abroad and um, that study abroad experience really gave me the bug to go out and, you know, travel around the world and, you know, learn more about foreign cultures. It was interesting because if I if I saw this right, maybe describe some of what your early career was like, because you were you were working more in PR, correct? You were doing that with companies, I think, APCO Worldwide, which was one that jumped out, which I think is, if I understand it right, an organization that helps uh, large companies and in the public and private sector define their sustainability strategies in some ways. Is, is that correct? And, and um, how did you end up on, on that path to start? Yeah, so um, you know, I went from uh, university out to DC and worked in, in PR, primarily working in the government space, and then um, eventually got a job uh, in Asia doing uh, PR consulting for, as you said, you know, everyone from Fortune 500 companies to um, you know NGOs like the the Rockefeller Foundation, helping them tell their story and communicate what they were doing, and. Um, you know, I was a consultant for about six or seven years, which was an amazing experience because you're able to see all of these different types of organizations and understand what's important to them and how they operate. Um, and, but after a, a long period of time as a consultant, I wanted to go in-house um, and start working with a company where you really own the success of the company. It's not like you're just sitting on the sidelines telling them what they can do better. Um, so, uh, you know, I had two opportunities uh, presented to me. I was very lucky to, to get two simultaneous offers. One was to go work for one of the big four accounting firms um, in their uh, PR and communications uh, efforts. And then I got a uh, offer from a crazy Chinese drone startup that was just across the border from uh, where I was in Hong Kong. And um, they had crazy ambitions and I decided to go after that role instead. So I'm curious, how does one navigate the, you know, the transition from the PR work you were doing to drones and then now robotics with Boston Dynamic? Tell me about what it's been like navigating that evolution. Well, you know, I, I was hired by DJI, um, you know, which is the world's largest drone manufacturer, um, when they were really at the, you know, inflection point as they were moving from a hobby uh, product to a consumer device, a true consumer device. And then eventually we also migrated to an enterprise tool. Um, and as that, as a part of that inflection point, 
you know, was one of the first uh, foreign employees to work out of their headquarters in Shenzhen. And um, I was hired originally to do PR and communication, help them do get reviews of their products and major tech media and so on and so forth. But, you know, very quickly, as you're one of the, you know, first seed employees in a new area, you start wearing multiple hats simultaneously. So when, um, you know, we decided to create um, SDK so that software developers could create their own applications for our drones, the question was, well, who are those software partners? What are they going to do with our technology? And so I raised my hand and said, well, I'll go find out. So we created, you know, that first install base of, you know, fantastic software partners to help expand the story of what our technology could do. When we started thinking about how to really land ourselves in uh, the consumer space, um, you know, consumer electronics space more firmly, we said, who's, who's the best partner for us to do that with? And we decided Apple um, carrying our product, giving us a marquee placement in their stores, would tell a new story about the, the technology readiness of drones in the consumer space. So, you know, I, I got asked to go make that happen so that we create a strong partnership with Apple. So, you know, you start building all of these experiences and candidly battle scars as the business continues to expand and evolve. Um, and, you know, that insight really prepared me for the, the role that I have now at Boston Dynamics. I'm, I'm curious, and, and maybe you can answer this in two different ways, whichever way you're, you're most comfortable with, but, you know, what was the biggest takeaway from, you know, working with this drone manufacturer uh, and building partnerships with one of the biggest companies in the world? Or if you want to take this a different direction, what was the biggest uh, thing that working abroad for so long taught you that has benefited you today? Well, I'll start with the first question, which is, you know, I, I think in, in my role, I had originally started coming into these conversations feeling at a disadvantage. Oh, we're, we're this small company that's unknown. Um, and, you know, we're, we're trying to get the attention of these larger companies to think about how they can help us. But at the end of the day, what you started to realize is that, you know, we had a phenomenal product that was world leading. And you know that really enabled us to have, you know, these tough conversations on the equal footing with the largest companies in the world, because you know the the thing that we were able to offer was so unique, so good, and so differentiated. And so you know, throughout my you know from that experience forward, partnering and executing with the best in class product is really the you know top top of mind from for me. You know, you can have the the best business strategists, the best salespeople, the best marketeers in the world, but it all starts from a great product that's able to deliver a fantastic customer experience. And without that, you're sunk. And that that's, you know, the the discipline that I, I learned working together with DJI and, you know, something that we carry forward at Boston Dynamics as well. Um, in, in terms of, you know, the uh, experience working abroad, you know, I think, the notion of having a much bigger worldview of market opportunities really um, has helped me a lot in thinking about how we go to market with a new emerging technology. You know, what are the right partners? How we handle support in foreign countries? How we can tell a global story that you know uh, 
addresses our existing demand here in North America, but with an eye on how customers and other markets might be a lot more mature, a lot more ready for our technology than we might assume um, you know, initial customers are. So you know, with Boston Dynamics, we've gone abroad, I think, much faster than you know, a typical startup would because we see a lot of the value that the international ecosystem of customers and partners are able to provide to the technology. Michael, I got to congratulate you for navigating that choose your own adventure question I asked you so eloquently, because as I finished it, I'm like, gosh, I really asked you two completely different questions. There. <laughs> thank you for thank you for taking on both of those as uh, as we're going through this conversation. And, you know, you, you've kind of taken us to a good point where we're going to segue a bit into the Boston Dynamics side of the conversation. So I'm going to go back to one of your early com uh, comments where you were brought on to help define what is Spot's purpose in, in the manufacturing world in a lot of ways? So maybe we take that a step back. What was Spot initially designed for? And, and for anyone listening, that's I, I would assume most people are familiar with Spot, but it's the iconic yellow dog robot that you see through a lot of viral videos. But what was what was the original intent? Yeah, so you know, the, the Spot product came out of several years of research, you know, decades of research that Boston Dynamics has put in to how robots can be mobile in a completely new way. You know, we're really used to wheeled and tracked robots rolling around R2-D2 style. Uh, mm -hmm. But the challenge is that you know, the world isn't flat and consistent so that a, a wheeled or tracked robot can handle all environments uh, all the time. So you know, where you have curbs, you know, changing terrain from sand to snow to grass, uh, gravel, uh, stairs, all of those types of environments require legs, uh, candidly, to move most efficiently through that space. And that's what Boston Dynamics' DNA has been. Um, you know, we've been in the research space for a long time there. Eventually, they said, this is mature enough that it's ready to be a product. So they started building a product and saying, you know, we can get the size down, the form factor down, uh, the software stack reliable enough to start putting into the hands of customers. But we really didn't have a targeted customer yet. So, you know, when I came on board, there were some initial customer conversations that we had had. We had run a few proof of concept trials with construction customers. But my role was to say, okay, let's take that um, concept and put it in front of mining customers because they have unstructured, unknown, and dynamic environments and ask them what they would do with it. Let's put it in front of um, utility customers because they're saying, hey, we have you know, these long right-of-way inspection uh, jobs that you know, wheeled and tracked robots can't do and drones can't do. So you know, could a walking robot go handle it? And you know, through that, we cut a lot of things out. We said, you know what, this, it, this doesn't match the technology as it currently exists today. Maybe we'll revisit this someday, someday maybe later. But in other spaces, we had assumed that there wasn't a good fit there. But pretty quickly, we, we determined, oh, wow, there's actually a big opportunity in this space. And manufacturing is a perfect example of that. Because in, in my mind, having not been on a manufacturing floor, I was imagining clean, smooth, flat, consistent surfaces throughout the entire building that you would assume a forklift or pallet jack would be able, you know, would need to get around the facility uh, in order to do. So we said, you know what, let's 
let the wheeled and tracked robots take that. But we started getting customer pulls from people saying, no, no, there's an application here specifically for Spot. And going on site with the customer, starting to look at what were some of the diverse diversity of terrain types, what were some of the data collection challenges, all of that painted a much clearer picture in our head of how the robot could be applicable in manufacturing. Yeah, if I, you know, when I was doing my research around Spot before this interview, and and I'd love to get your feedback on this. I, two applications really jumped out the most, and that's like site layouts and optimization seem to be a big one, and the other seem to be safety of all of all shapes and sizes. You know, you you kind of hinted at this. You were you were going through the process to figure out what the right applications would be. Um, you know, is it any accident that these are like the most common use cases that I'm seeing for Spot right now, or are there are there others out there? You know, it, it, it's a little bit of both accident and intention. Um, so, you know, part of the goal was, you know, as, as our founder, Mark Raybert calls it, a Johnny Appleseed approach, where if you enable customers with the technology, then they'll more often than not tell you what's most valuable to them. And that's the same experience that we had in the drone market is, you know, DJI never thought about using drones for, you know, surveying uh, wildfires or, you know, looking for corrosion on insulators of power lines. But you know what, that's what people are doing with drones and that's how, you know, you then mature the product in that direction to, to meet the demand. We're taking a similar approach with Spot where you know you have this core technology, you put it in front of the customer and they start using it and you say, oh, you know what? Laser scanning and layout is, is a tough challenge. It's costly, it's time intensive. People um, are not able to scale it by doing that as a manual process. Can a robot add value by making that, that process faster, cheaper, and more reliable? Um, and as you said, the safety case is absolutely where we see most of our customers get started. You have an environment that's too dangerous for people to go into, uh, and you either have to shut down the asset in order to make it safe enough for a person to enter that space, or you have to um, just say, like, you know what, we're going to accept some level of risk for a person to enter this space. Uh, that might be toxic or electrified or whatever, it, because the the cost of failure is so large that we just need to you know get the right permitting and send a person into that space. Both are bad options, right? Uh, because you lose revenue on one hand and you potentially put human life at risk on the other. So that's a, a bad set of circumstances. And if a robot can go do that data acquisition project instead, that's a huge value add to the customer. And and one thing I'd love to maybe illustrate this a bit with a story because we talk about laser scanning and if one of the applications I came across was a Ford plant where you know spots essentially helping reimagine that facility and and there's a cool video I'm going to link up to in the show notes on this but can you kind of verbally paint the picture so people that are listening can kind of visualize hey what does this look like when ford is using spot or as they call it fluffy i'm curious what you feel about <laughs> the fact that they that the fact that they renamed uh yeah. spot but that's a different uh, question for after this but you know paint the picture of that for the audience real quick yeah so when ford was looking at how they could deploy spot they were looking at a number of applications but the first place that they landed was doing um, uh, scans both before in the middle of and after uh, turning around some of their lines. So you know when they're 
stripping out and reinstalling new equipment, they need to know with millimeter precision if everything has been installed correctly on the site. And the way that they do that right now is through um, contract, you know, subcontracting that laser scanning project out to a vendor. That vendor comes on site, spends two weeks to do a laser scan, um, you know, stitching the, the scan models together and presenting that back to Ford. That process costs $300,000 in two weeks. So at that cost and at that time frame, they could only afford to do that at the end of the project, which guess what? If there's a problem or some something's in, installed incorrectly, then it's only at the end of that period that they need to turn, you know, say, oh, wow, we need to strip out this part of the equipment and reinstall it and then rescan it to make sure that everything is installed correctly. So using Spot, you're able to drive down the time and drive down the cost of doing that project so that you can do that scan on a much more frequent basis. They cut down the scan time from two weeks to two days. And from $300,000 for one scan, they're able to get infinite scanning capability using just the, the cost of a, a robot plus a scanner, which all totaled is about $150,000, $200,000. So that growth of the data that they're, they have accessible helps them make smarter decisions as they're doing this time-sensitive project that they want to get the line back up and running as soon as possible. And having better data at their fingertips enables them to do that. So I think the metric that jumps out, cutting down on anything from two weeks to two days is going to make a massive impact, like you described. Going back to really early in the conversation, another another line you mentioned is that spot, when used in manufacturing, can help increase uptime on assets. And that's not necessarily an application I came across in my research. So can you give us an example of, of what that looks like to help the audience visualize that? Yeah, there's a, there's a few ways of, of understanding that. Um, as I mentioned, the first place where we're doing that is in the safety case, where you have preventive maintenance inspections in um, automated environments that are too unsafe for a person to enter while the automated environment is in production. So if you've got a bunch of arms that are moving around and you've got these conveyor lines and you need to know if the cabinets um, you know, associated with the robotic arms are going to overheat. Um, you need to know what the thermal load of the bearings are inside the conveyor belt system and see if they're going to blow out um, in the next few weeks. You know, that type of information is only possible when the asset is de-energized and you know um, somebody's walking into the work cell with a thermal gun and you know, checking all of these different pieces of equipment. Maybe they do that once a week. Maybe they do that once a month. And that that data is just hard to to manage. So you have to assume it's shut down, and you have to assume that a person's collecting that data on a regular and consistent basis. Spot can go into that work cell while it's in operation. It doesn't have you don't have to think about the safety considerations of the robot entering the work cell while it's running, and that's a that's a huge value add because you get less downtime, and you actually get to see the performance of the asset while it's in operation. Which you know if it's been shut down for a few hours before somebody goes in and does a you know thermal measurement or acoustic assessment of what's going on, on or vibration or you know whatever data they're collecting in that work cell is, they might not get a true picture of what's actually happening on site. So the first landing case is the safety notion where you have this environment that's too unsafe for a person to enter and either it's costly to shut it down or you just have to assume the risk of somebody entering it. 
Second place where you know we, we are able to increase uptime is just by increasing the frequency and diversity and quality of data of the site. So the robots, you know, rather than doing um, an assessment of the site once a week, what if you had 100 times more data of the real world performance throughout the week? Um, and you know, what smarter decisions can you make about uptime, preventive maintenance, um, you know, thinking about um, a wide variety of metrics to improve the asset performance if you just had more data of what's actually happening on site? I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, first and foremost, you know, taking something that was a human task that would require something to be shut down to all of a sudden being something a robot can do while it's running. I mean, a lot of good uh, info there. I appreciate you breaking it down into those two categories as well. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I guess back to my other question, do do you, do many of your the fo- the people you work with uh, rename Spot to to Fluffy like Ford did or is that kind of a one-off opportunity? Oh no, we pretty much everybody anthropomorphizes the robot and starts creating a relationship with it. And that first um, uh, relationship is renaming the robot. So we got Fluffy, uh, we've got uh, another robot in a manufacturing facility called Bolt. Uh, <laughs> we've got Mac and Cheese, which are two robots that live in the, the Washington area. So, you know, you got a wide variety of uh, robot names that people are collab- you know, thinking of these robots as collaborative uh, tools. It's funny. It was no more than like three or four episodes ago that someone else was talking about how people are naming their robots within uh, within their facilities. So this seems yeah. to be the common trend in uh, in manufacturing. And, and speaking of trends, I, I'm curious, what's an area that hasn't been utilized yet for spot that you think might be might be coming up or something you wish more people would use spot for? Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, we see a lot of really inspiring use cases right now. Um, you know, certainly the the area that's coming next for the robot is the, this notion of mobile manipulation. And so where the robot's not just sensing the world, but sensing the world and physically interacting with it. Uh, we're still at an early stage for that. And we have some initial customers testing the robot's ability to throw a breaker or pick up an object or even pick up and place an object uh, in, in the manufacturing context. But you know, even now, we're starting to see some interest in um, parts or equipment delivery on the site where you, know, you have somebody who doesn't want to walk 500 yards to go get a tool. You know, can the, the tool come to them and, and spot an enabler to help them do that? Um, so that that's the type of application that I think is really interesting. Um, it's a challenge because you know you need to assume that people are familiar and comfortable working close to the robot. Uh, but I, I think that's an application that could be really useful and inspiring as people start uh, using Spot more and more. Love the evolution, taking it back to what's out there now. Is there an application for Spot that you wish we would have talked about? Uh, that that we haven't really gotten to go into detail on yet. Um, gosh, um, you know, it, it, we're really at the infancy of the the technology. You know, I think one of the challenges is people understanding what is the tool good for, uh, how can it help them, 
and you know if the robots just going around and collecting all this preventative maintenance data you know i don't think the story of how it's enabling people on the site is going to be very clear because all that data is going to live somewhere else so you know what we're excited about understanding is how the robot can be seen as a, a collaborative tool for the people that are working on site whether that's delivering equipment you know we've on a construction site we've even seen some of the um, construction site workers using the robot to deliver people beer at the end of their shift um, so nice you know, people are starting to understand, hey, this is a here this is a tool that's here to help me. And you know, the more that we can find use cases that prevent uh, present that story, um, I, I think that's gonna be a, a game changer for the technology. Michael, if you can hook me up with a uh, a spot robot that can bring me beer, I think that would be an a wonderful ongoing plug for Boston Dynamics here on this show because the mini <laughs> fridge is right over there. It's not that far, but uh, it would certainly certainly be a, a fun fun upgrade. You know, going back to the the concept of the happy hour, you know, one of the things that we're excited about is Spot actually is doing preventive maintenance inspection work at breweries right now. So hopefully we'll have that use case and we'll send it over to you. So Spot is getting you a beer, but on a much longer time horizon than just delivering it straight to your hand. I love that. I love that. I can't wait to hear uh, the the names that the brewing industry come uh, come up with for their respective versions of Spot. So, well, a, a great topic to start wrapping the conversation on. You know, what's the best way to connect with you and Boston Dynamics to keep up with what's going on? Certainly, we'll see more viral videos, but where where can we get into the meat and potatoes of of what Spot's doing for manufacturing? Absolutely. So, um, if you visit um, our, our website. You know, we have use cases there uh, you know, that really dive into industrial inspection. We actually have a, a workbook in there that really says, you know, from thinking about a mobile robot solution to really deploying a pilot, what are some of the steps that you can think about uh, and questions that you should be asking, you know, is this the right tool for me? And we, we have that workbook on our site. Uh, but on LinkedIn, we have a continual flow of use cases that are coming up. Uh, we actually just posted one about Spot uh, doing research for uh, robots on Mars. So not exactly manufacturing related, but super cool nonetheless. Um, and you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. So Michael Patrick Perry, and you know, feel free to reach out. I, I always love talking about robots. Uh, I don't know if you could tell from this conversation, but I'm really passionate about it and always happy to have that conversation. I love it. Well, whether it's connecting with Michael, whether it's uh, accessing the use cases, all of those links will be over in the show notes at manufacturinghappyhour.com. And uh, certainly we'll be keeping an eye out for the latest on LinkedIn as uh, as these new applications pop up as well. So, Michael, appreciate you jumping on the show today. Chris, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And for everyone out there, stay innovative, stay thirsty. Catch you again here on Manufacturing Happy Hour real soon. Hey, thanks for listening, and a big thanks to the Boston Dynamics crew for making this episode happen. It was super cool to get an opportunity to talk about Spot. I mean, at the end of the day, we've probably all seen Spot dancing to some of our favorite tunes across the internet. So to talk about the practical applications that little robot holds is pretty cool. We covered a lot of ground. Michael mentioned a number of ways to connect. You can find all those links to social media, everything you might need at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 55, as well as the drinking destination Michael gave a shout out to today, Mighty Squirrel Brewing Co. 
as a call to action this week, I, I thought I'd have some fun. The one thing afterwards I'm like, man, I wish I would have asked Michael this, was what's the next song that we're going to see Spot and the Robots of Boston Dynamics dancing to on the internet for uh, for one of those viral videos that they're always doing? So for a little bit of fun this week, make sure to follow Manufacturing Happy Hour and Boston Dynamics on Twitter. Manufacturing Happy Hour is MFG Happy Hour. And tweet us and let us know what song you want to see Spot dancing to next. Or Boston Dynamics, if you're listening to this. If you want to let us know what tune we might be able to expect or drop some hints, that could be fun too. But the main point of the story there is make sure you're following Boston Dynamics and Manufacturing Happy Hour on Twitter or whatever social media platform you call home. But we'd love to hear your feedback on that. I guess I have a bonus call to action for you as well. I mentioned it at the start of the interview. But if you are a manufacturing leader and you want to be surrounded by other manufacturing all-stars, make sure to join the Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community on LinkedIn by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com community. One final shout out to our sponsor this week, Gen Alpha. They are the e-commerce solution for equipment manufacturers. If you're building equipment and you need help with your digital selling capabilities, this is the group to look to. The e-commerce platforms they're able to set up for companies are pretty phenomenal. So make sure you give them a look, but don't take my word for it. Check out episode 34 featuring their COO and president, Christina Harrington, or go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash genalpha to learn more for yourself. Thanks so much, Gen Alpha, for sponsoring this podcast. And with that, we're going to be back next week. Thanks so much for sticking around. We will catch you again soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.